Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to over there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News. Jason Luber still broadcasting from my basement. Yeah, I'm still in the basement, still broadcasting from home, not at um, the station just yet. Maybe uh, May or June or later, I don't know. They keep uh, saying that they're going to make a decision this spring, so... I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, in just a bit, I'm going to be speaking with one of the best spokespeople in the business. Speaking to Skylar McKinley, he's with AAA Colorado. And AAA is so good at forecasting traffic for holidays and other special events. It'll be interesting to hear uh, their prediction about where traffic is going and what the summer holidays could look like on the roads and in the skies. It's part of my uh, piece that I did, my television uh, story about uh, COVID traffic a year later. And you can, uh, if you want to watch that story, you can on the link in the description of this show. Um, just click on it right there and boom, you're, you're watching, you're watching me do, do a thing. Uh, anyway, speaking of skies, I recently booked a flight with United to Florida. And during this booking, I was given the option to receive a text message about the status of the flight uh, and about any changes that may occur. And I, I think Southwest does that. I think Frontier, I think uh, most of the airlines now do that sort of thing. So uh, because you're not going to check your email constantly, but if there's a flight change or something going on, boom, you get the text message. And you know, at your, if you're at the airport, uh, what's going on? I mean, it's pretty standard stuff, a, a pretty good idea. But there's this one man who has filed a class action lawsuit in the state of Hawaii against United Airlines claiming that these flight update text messages, that they drained his cell phone's battery and then invaded his privacy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but how many messages was this guy getting? Seriously, maybe maybe his battery was low to begin with. Maybe he has a bad battery or a bad phone, and that's what drained it, and he wasn't necessarily the number of text messages he was getting. Um, Yeah. And invading his privacy, what, don't you have to sign up for this thing, right? Anyway, his name is uh, Riordan. Anyway, his, his name, Riordan Pringle. I'm sure is, I'm butchering his first name. R-I-O-R-D-A-N. Riordan Pringle of Honolulu. He is accusing United Airlines of, quote, flagrant breaches of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Now, that's a law that was passed, what, more than 20 years ago, attempting to prevent marketing companies from harassing customers with automatic dialers and recorded messages. Uh, uh, Isn't that what's happening to everybody on everybody's phone today? (laughs) Have you not received some messages about your uh, car's extended warranty lately? Well, this law also applies to automated text messages like the ones that United Airlines sent out with information about the check-in times, boarding information, gate changes, that sort of thing. And when you book a ticket with United and, and and you provide your cell phone number, the airline can automatically start sending messages with that flight information uh, for, for when you need it. But in order to comply with the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, United also, or any carrier, anybody, any business, provides a way to, for you to opt out. 
So you usually do that by replying stop to that same number that sent you the text messages. And then it usually says, all right, we won't send you any more messages. But the only problem, however, is that in this case, texting stop didn't work. In fact, Mr. Pringle says he he texted stopped a whole bunch of times in, in an attempt to prevent United from sending him any more text messages on at least four separate occasions. And he even received a message confirming that he had opted out, but his flight updates kept on coming. So I guess stop doesn't always necessarily, in this case, mean stop. Now this lawsuit by Mr. Pringle against United claims that the barrage of messages sent without his consent was an invasion of his privacy and that the messages were draining his cell phone's battery. They also caused him aggravation and annoyance. (laughs) And precious time was taken out of his day trying to make the messages stop. He must be a busy man, Mr. Pringle. What's his hourly rate to make the messages stop? I guess we'll find out in the class action suit. Uh, I remember that uh, I had to check a box when I was buying my ticket uh, on United that asked me if I wanted to get these text messages. And I also had to put in my phone number, the phone number I wanted the text messages to go to. So uh, I I don't know if if he obviously had to sign up for these things. Uh, I guess he just couldn't opt out. Other travelers with United say they've had similar problems with this opt-out system where it didn't work properly. And, you know, come to think of it, I don't think I've even received a text message from United Airlines, even after the booking, maybe I have. I, um, I guess I should, I should look and, and find out, but I, <laughs> I don't recall even getting a. Nope, that's from something else. Uh, nope, that's from something else. Please, no, nope, that's something else. I don't recall even getting a text message, uh, from them, uh, after I booked my flight and said, yeah, go ahead and send me those text messages. Other travelers, though, say they they theirs aren't work their system isn't working right and that uh, they can't opt out when they hit stop or text stop and, and the airline has also previously been cited by the Federal Communications Commission for violations of that telephone Consumer Protection Act now in in this class action lawsuit mr. Pringle this is what he's asking for He's asking the court to consider allowing anyone else who has tried unsuccessfully to opt out of United Text Messaging within the last four years to join the lawsuit. And his lawyers believe there are thousands of customers that could be eligible to join this suit. The more people, the more likely he is to collect some money and uh, the, I guess, and win the suit. That's what he thinks. Lawyers will do and sue for anything. So, so maybe maybe he's just looking for some kind of a, a settlement, get a few bucks. I guess it really comes down to how many actual messages he was getting. I mean, how, how many messages is that threshold to be too much compared to not enough compared to just right? Couldn't he just block the number, right? Because can't, can't you just stop text messaging and just block the number? Couldn't you... Maybe he should have just turned off his phone. <laughs> that could have worked too. You turn off the phone and you don't get the text messages anymore. But then maybe he needed it for other things. And that's why he was bugged because he wanted to watch a movie and he didn't have his spare battery with him. And uh, they the, maybe the, 
didn't have a cord, so he couldn't charge it on the phone, whatever. I don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes restarting your phone can uh, get it to work if it didn't work to begin with. Let's say, like, it, like he tried to opt out of that message, or he kept getting messages. Maybe if he does a little uh, restart, that could have helped. I think I just would have tried to block the number. I never would have thought, thought class action lawsuit, but... But hey, that's that's just me. Uh, and for me and my girls, speaking of of airlines and flights and stuff, for me, my and my girls, it's well, I guess kind of for me, uh, but definitely for them, it's baton twirling season. Yay! <laughs> and if you didn't know, my two daughters are competitive baton twirlers. Uh, you can find YouTube videos of them doing baton twirling. Uh, we and, we and we do have to because it is baton twirling season, and and now that the, uh, the the country is opening up again, that means competitions are opening up again. Last year they were all canceled, so this year they are starting to crank up again. Our first one this year, our first road trip is going to be in Goodland, Kansas, a nice three-hour drive uh, for that competition. Uh, so that's not that bad. And then we're going to be heading out to Enid, Oklahoma, for the regional competition. Now. There are some families that'll be driving out there. For me, it's a little bit too far to drive. It's more more than uh, uh, too far to, than to, to be comfortable for me. So we're gonna fly to Oklahoma City and then rent a car and drive the hour back to Enid. I'm sure it's gonna be lovely. Um, but I, the reason I'm mentioning all of this is because uh, have you tried to rent a car lately? The the price for a rental car in Oklahoma City was much higher than I had anticipated for a weekend trip. Um, and we're also heading to Fort Myers. I talked about this before for my in-laws anniversary trip. And the price for a rental car there is crazy ridiculous for a major rental car company like national or dollar enterprise hurts. I, I, I looked at all of them. The price is over $400 for five days. And that was the cheapest rate un- unless you, you want to, Find a lower rate because you have you could prepay or you could do the, the them choosing a car uh, company for you. You you choose the car you want and uh, then they choose the car company you will get. I never liked that very much because um, uh, th- there are differences between the car companies. Now n- between I should say the big ones, the big major ones, the the Hertz and Enterprise and. And Avis and Dollar, right? And, and, and there's a consolidation between, I think, a Hertz and Avis are together, or Dollar and um, Thrifty and something else, budget maybe, are all the same. Anyway, there, there is a difference between those big national ones and national um, and the Fox or Sixth or um, some other no-name companies out there. there. There, I think there is a difference in the cars that you get. And there, there, so that's why I'm not going to go pick a pick a car and then have them pick the company for me. I just, uh, you know, I've been in too many smoky cars to to deal with that. But the majority of the rates were over five hundred dollars, basically a hundred dollars a day. It should be half that for for the most part, right? Some people are actually reporting that rental cars in other places like Orlando have been $300 a day for spring break. And the same thing happening in in uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami and in other parts of Florida because of spring break. I mean, that, that's more than, than your airfare or your hotel or your ticket to Disney to get a car for a day. So the problem is that when air tra- travel stopped, 
a year ago, there was there was obviously a whole lot of rental cars that weren't being rented. They were just sitting at airports, not doing anything. And there were a whole lot of rental car companies that were losing a whole lot of money because their rental cars were just sitting on the lot, not doing anything. So instead of just hanging out and waiting for travel to return, the rental car companies started selling off many of the cars that they had in their fleet for as used cars. Enterprise does this all the time. They have a, a big uh, business in selling their previously rented cars. And the industry sold off basically more than a half a million cars. That's about a third of the combined fleets just to generate cash because they needed to survive the the crisis that was last year. Hertz sold off more than 200,000 of their U.S. fleet, their, their cars in their U.S. fleet. That's about 42% of its supply. So that left them with just about 300,000 cars. Avis budget, they sold off 25% of their fleet. So now these car companies, these rental car companies, have, have been unable to rebuild their fleets, especially since the car makers, when they were shut down, or at least partially shut down for a while, they weren't making as many cars. And now we have this shortage of computer chips needed to build cars, so that's screwing up the whole system too. And, and they're, they're trying to buy cars the best they can, but it's at a really slow pace. So all of this has led to a severe shortage of rental cars in these especially vacation hotspots, and it results in the sky-high prices, the old uh, demand versus availability problem. Because last weekend in Florida, I was reading that 18 of the state's 20 largest airports were totally out of cars. They, They were also sold out at the airport in Phoenix. They were also sold out in Hawaii. Um... When I remember, I went to um, Redmond, Oregon, right, for this trip in the beginning of of, uh, March. And I booked my rental car, uh, I don't know, like uh, 10 days out, and I I was able to get one. And then I looked for a better price or I looked for a different, and they were sold out. There were no cars to be had. So I was lucky I I booked when I did so I could get a car um, because they they were out of cars. So it's not just even in the the big places. I think they're, they're taking... Uh, cars from smaller airports or, or smaller cities and then diverting them to the bigger places that might need the cars because the, the demand is there now that so many people are out there flying. Denver International Airport just said that they are expecting to be only down about 10% in air travel compared to 2019, which was a record year for them. So yeah, while 2020 was down tremendously, very few people were flying, boom, we're, we're on the uptick again and everybody wants to get out. More people are getting vaccinated, and it's uh, it, it's people are ready to to hit the roads again. I and I I do think that obviously there's going to be an adjustment hopefully this summer with with rental cars, and, and maybe we're going to see this problem throughout the uh, throughout the uh, summer. But uh, I'm hoping that they'll they'll get it all fixed up because we have a nationals possible nationals trip to Florida uh, for but baton twirling. So, oh. Uh. It's getting busier out there on the skies and on the roads, and and you know because we're now at a year past the shutdowns, and and traffic here in Metro Denver continues to make a comeback as it does around the country. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm telling you, it's tougher to get around. But it's also nice to see people out and about. 
right? It's nice to see people once again hitting the roadways. So it, it, since it's been a year since COVID, I thought we would hook up with our old friend Skylar friend, McKinley from Triple A. Can't believe Skylar, it's actually thanks been again for coming back here the to the world famous. A year since coronavirus, podcast. you know, I've got a few of these requests. Um, it's just the story of the of the year, I guess. It looks like we might be getting close to the other side of this, though. I mean, I, I'm not optimistic yet, but I'm optimistic that I'll be optimistic. Right. <laughs> right. Now, you guys are over at AAA are really good at forecasting traffic for holidays and other special events. So before we get into that, let's talk about how traffic has changed over the last year and how AAA has seen traffic change over the last year. So this is what's most interesting to me, and it's going to be absolutely the most interesting going ahead. Uh, at the early phase of the pandemic, initially, you know, we saw traffic drop off to the tune of 60% in some markets, maybe more, uh, including here in the metro. A lot of that was commuters, though. It was folks who decided that they could work from home, whose employer said, we're going to keep you at home to uh, comply with state orders and best practices. So our commuters were off the road. But generally, when it came to automobile traffic, 2020 was a fantastic year for automobile travel. We were actually up 4.3% over 2019 for July 4th, for example. So that was something like 41.4 million Americans, 670,000 Coloradans who were driving for that holiday because they didn't feel comfortable flying. So in terms of what the pandemic changed, a lot of folks who might previously have flown out to Disneyland said, you know what, I'm gonna drive to Arches National Park. Instead, uh, that was the theme of 2020. that will probably also be what we see in 2021, especially around the summer holidays. So you think it was just all road trips and maybe not commuter travel that made traffic so heavy this past summer because people were stuck in their homes and they just couldn't do anything else. And we asked them about this. Um, you know, there, there was significant cabin fever, which is why we saw road trips really start to tick up in the summer months when people perceive the car as safer. They still do. Uh, We surveyed Coloradans and we asked them, how comfortable are you traveling right now with the pandemic as it currently is? Uh, Only 30% said they want to get on an airplane right now. Uh, 84% said, I would love to get in my car and go on a trip so long as I can ensure that it's safe. There's a degree of control you have when you're driving your own car and you're choosing the destination and you're choosing who you interact with and you can do research before you go. Uh, That's why people went to their cars. And look, this isn't true across the country. Uh, but it was certainly true in the American West. We were the number one destination per AAA metrics uh, for all United States travelers during the summer travel months. Uh, for Coloradans, everybody was saying, look, I, I live here for a reason. I'm going to get in my car and go, whether that's 50 miles, 200 miles, 400 miles. It, it, it was really easy to get in your car and get out there. And now that folks have rediscovered that um, and still are worried rightfully about the virus, That's what we're going to see in 2021 into 2022. So the tow truck drivers for AAA, who usually are helping people stranded on the side of the road, they they probably weren't as busy over the past year as they have been in in years past, right? What changed was not our overall volume, which actually, believe it or not, remained fairly consistent. Uh, What changed was the timing. Normally, we would get a spike during, you know, the 7 to 9 a.m. commute period, and then again from about 4.30 to about 7 p.m. We still got some calls during that period and and still consistent calls, but we were getting other calls throughout the day at random times um, because folks who were working at home decided, hey, it's 1 p.m. I'm going to run to the grocery store. I don't have any meetings until 3. Um, So we were getting 
uh, disparate calls. Now we have a whole data analytics system, so we were able to keep up, but yeah, uh, it used to be in America, in Colorado, everybody went to work at the same time. Everybody left work at the same time. That's when you see traffic. That's when you get roadside calls. Uh, it has been a lot more, uh, like a duck hunt game for us. Where is there going to be a call? How can we get a truck there? We can't predict to the same degree that we used to be able to. Do you think that might continue through 2021 and into the future years as it, it seems that traffic patterns have changed, but have they changed to the point where we won't see the typical morning and afternoon commutes anymore? Absolutely. That's a very smart observation, and it's what very smart people I trust are saying from the oil analysts to the traffic analysts and beyond. People are going to return to our roads. People are going to return to the skies. We're going to return to a form of normal, but we will be forever changed as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, there will not be commuters uh, to the same degree that we saw in 2019, probably ever again. Work from home was too successful. Um, there was less absenteeism, less tardyism. People reported being more engaged with their work. It has not been for everybody and it's not for every industry. Many folks will have to go back to an office, but many, many folks won't. And that's gonna forever change our travel patterns. Uh, I'm not gonna say the commute is dead. Many folks will still commute uh, and many folks will choose to drive a car because of their discomfort sharing public transit for some time still. But looking ahead to 2022, I think you can predict a lot less traffic during your commute hours, but probably a lot more traffic at times you wouldn't expect it in areas you wouldn't expect it. So gone is the 8.30 a.m. tech center backup, but instead, you know, the parking lot at your local King Supers might be full at noon. But I think that might change depending on the city you're in. So let's say you're in a tech-heavy center like uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area, where a lot of people could work from home. Uh, but if you're in an area that relies on people going to work, uh, more blue-collar jobs, uh, th then they have to go out. Plumbers can't plumb your plumbing problem from their house. They have to go to your house. So you still will need people out on the roads. Yeah, that's also very smart. Uh, this is going to be some much-needed relief for Colorado's transportation infrastructure, which historically is suffering uh, because of a funding crisis. We've prolonged the lifespan of some of our roads and bridges because of this pandemic and because of reduced commuter demand. But we still need our roads and bridges. Uh, folks will still be out there. And probably the road trip as a renewed summer uh, celebration is here to stay for a long time. So it, this is kind of the good news, bad news. The good news is that we relieve some strain on our infrastructure. People learned new ways to work and to get around. The bad news is uh, it, it shouldn't make us think that we're free of traffic. I can tell you we'll be talking you know, a year from now about a major traffic choke up at the Denver Tech Center. Uh, or in Parker, or in Castle Rock, or the I-25 gap project nearing completion. All of that's still going to be true. It's just been stretched out a little bit. All right, let's forecast the upcoming holidays. As the pandemic seems that we're easing back a bit, people are getting their vaccinations, so summer travel could really be heavier this year than even that, that, that last year that seemed pretty heavy. Uh, and in years past, what is the AAA forecast for the roads and for the skies for Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day uh, for the summer travel season? You know, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be making a lot more money um, than I am right now. But I, I, here's what I'll tell you. Signs point to 2021 being a banner year for automobile travel. Again, we were up generally in the neighborhood of 5 to 10% over 2019, which was the biggest year we had seen 
in decades in automobile travel. That's going to continue in 2021 for sure. So expect even more. I mean, I, I would say we're probably going to be up another 5%. We're talking millions of people nationwide over where we were in 2020 for Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day. When it comes to air travel, that's going to take a little bit longer, um, but it's going to happen all of the sudden. So folks are just right now not comfortable being in airplanes and sharing space with other passengers. Um, and in 2021, it's going to take some time to break through that ice. 2022, start buying your tickets now if you're planning to get on a plane, if you can, because everybody's going to want to travel. Americans believe that they have a right to travel. They miss traveling. They want to go to places they haven't seen. They want to meet people they haven't met before. We've been so isolated that 2022, 2023, there is, it's going to be banner years for the travel industry, whereas 2020 and 2021 were banner years for, for uh, America's gas stations. Let's look at traffic levels for the average commuter from let's say 2022 and beyond. We, we've already started to see traffic patterns pick up. Some areas uh, have picked up. Commuters will eventually come back as restaurants are going to be opening up. Businesses will be opening up. Uh, people will be going to do things that they used to do in years past and, and go to events like baseball games. There's, there's people going to baseball games again and, and concerts will start up. Are, are we going to see record levels of commuter traffic, you think, once all this is over and done with? It's difficult to predict, um, and, but here's what I know. You know, I've spoken to a lot of oil analysts who look at how gas production and consumption has gone, and a lot of that, all of it really is, is linked to the ways we get around. They're pretty confident that 2019 was the peak demand year for uh, gasoline in America. That includes both jet fuel and, and what you put in your car. So, you know, looking at 2022, 2023 nationwide, we probably never will reach the same level of automotive demand at, during our peak hours that cause congestion as we, we hit in 2019. But Colorado is a unique example. A lot of people fled from the pandemic here, uh, from places like San Francisco, New York City, Los Angeles, you name it. They decided to come to Colorado. They liked what they saw. They decided to move here. Um, a lot of those folks moved to mountainous or rural communities. Uh, that's going to create new traffic headaches for, for those people, uh, which will have to be dealt with. But a lot of folks are moving to Denver still. Denver continued to go, grow throughout the pandemic. So it's a good news, bad news situation. The good news is we weren't hit as hard by this as places like New York City. The bad news is we weren't hit as hard by this as places like New York City. So we're probably not gonna see rent reduction. Uh, we're probably not gonna see significant reduction in home prices. And we're not gonna see a blip, uh, a significant dip rather in, in traffic. Um, our traffic patterns will continue to surge for the foreseeable future, which um, is good news for the economy, but bad news for drivers like you and me. And truck traffic really hasn't stopped. There's uh, a road here, a, a, a interstate, a highway here in Metro Denver, Interstate 270. It's a little short segment uh, that connects uh, I-25 and I-70. And it it's, goes through a pretty industrial part of town, but there's a lot of truck traffic there and just even a few months after the lockdowns, it was basically back at 100% of the pre-pandemic levels. So there is still a lot of commerce that needs to get out and about on the roads. There are still roads that are, are heavy, at least that I report on every single day with slow and go traffic. Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, you and I talk a lot about what's driving you crazy. I think that a lot of folks have I think mistakenly thought that the pandemic was going to solve for the foreseeable future all of our transportation pr 
problems. It's not the case. It was a, a year of respite. It was a year to reevaluate, get some important infrastructure work done because people weren't on the roads. Uh, but our capacity is far below our demand. And, and that gap is only going to get wider as people realize that, you know, basically we live in heaven, right? So uh, drivers should look forward to that. It's going to be gradual. Um, but in terms of what COVID hasn't changed, it hasn't changed the long-term outlook of, of what's going to happen to our roads. And that outlook is not good. The one industry, and it hurts me to say this, uh, that I think is still going to take some time to dig itself out of the hole is the cruise industry. I mean, they are still reeling. I'm hoping they're going to come back to, to something what they were, but it, it doesn't look good for them right now. Here's what I'll tell you as someone who's a cruiser. Um, COVID was the worst thing to ever happen to the cruise industry. It probably also was the best thing because a lot of the cruise companies learned a lot about how to prevent viral, viral spread, which has always been a slight issue on cruise ships. Uh, it's just the nature of the industry. So like, I think we'll probably have a lot fewer horror stories about like hantavirus or chikungunya or all of the things that spread on cruise ships, you know, once cruising comes back. Because the cruise ships know like how to disinfect stuff now and, and how to social distance and how to best practice. Um, but, you know, first they have to survive this final leg of the journey. All right, Skylar, thank you so much. I know you got to run, so appreciate your time as always. And we'll talk again soon, okay? Well, thanks for including us. And if you have any follow-ups, let me know. And then also, if you go to the press releases tab, um, if, uh, which is like if you go to colorado.aaa.com, yeah. at the bottom in the footer, you'll see where it says press releases. Click that. You can see all of our historical forecast data going back to 2017. All right, perfect. Uh www.colorado.aaa.com gets us there. Thanks again, Skylar. Uh, so much for all that info, and uh, take care, all right? Thanks, so, I appreciate it. And there he goes, Skylar McKinley with AAA Colorado, one of the best in the business. If you want to learn how to be one a, a spokesperson for any business, doesn't matter what it is, uh, you should learn from Skylar. He is he is one of the best. He also reads a lot. He, he knows his stuff. He, he has some notes here and there, but I'm telling you what, he, he reads so much and uh, he, he knows so much and he, he really is a, a great representative of, of people who do that, that sort of job and for AAA and, and it's great to have him here on the show. All right, plans for next week. Uh, none right now. <laughs> it's right. I haven't planned that far ahead. Uh, so I don't know what's coming up uh, for the next episode. But uh, thanks again. You can always give me a comment, and maybe you can be a part of the next episode. Uh, the, all the contact information is right here on the description of the show. Please make sure that you uh, rate, rinse, and repeat, or review, and do all that stuff that uh, helps me out tremendously, if you could, uh, especially with the Apple, Apple Podcast deal. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And until next time, I'm Jason Lube, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.